0: Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank God for your giving. We appreciate you uh, joining in together with us for the purpose of the gospel this morning. I want to also quickly, before we look at the Word of God, uh, tell you that we are having this month a farewell service for the Smale family as we are sending them out to go begin a new congregation in the Kempsville area of Virginia Beach. We're very excited about that. That's going to be, praise God, that's going to be the last Sunday of this month, uh, of next month, November 27th, I believe that date is. So you don't want to miss that. God's going to really help us. Amen. And we're excited to we're excited to join in the vision of planting churches and seeing what God will do. Hallelujah. We are very, very excited about all God is doing. Open up your Bible with me to the book of 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. So for those of you who might be new to the Bible, you have the Gospel of John, which is the fourth book in from the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And that is the gospel account as John's eyewitness of the life and the story of Jesus. John also had three other letters that he wrote included in the New Testament. And they are called the epistles. That's a fancy word for a letter. And these three letters that John wrote are toward the end of the New Testament. uh, And they are full, packed full with incredible wisdom and insight for the kingdom of God and for our lives. We're going to read from his first letter that he wrote to the church, 1 John chapter 1. Have you noticed how some people are kind of funny about food? And especially about what might be or might not be in their food? Uh, I know of one uh, pastor that uh, when we were living as missionaries in the nation of Bulgaria, they came to visit us. And uh, this, this pastor, you know, wh- one of the things we love to do to give people kind of the tour is to take them to different restaurants and introduce them to the local cuisine. And so we, t- we went to restaurant after restaurant with this pa- pastor, and he would only eat one thing. He said, do they have just a plain chicken? No sauce, no spices, no bread, just give me the plain chicken. I said, you sure you don't want to try? There's so many good foods you can try here. He said, nope, just the chicken, please. Uh, He was afraid of trying some new things. We also have another pastor that I know who refuses to eat anything that comes from a chicken. Uh, because he grew up on a farm. He grew up watching these chickens and how they eat all the trash and how they, you know, get in the muck in the mire. And so somehow in his brain, he got connected the idea that chickens are filthy creatures and I'll never eat there, never eat a, a piece of a chicken ever again. So people are funny about their food. Uh, just in the last, uh, last night, I, we were driving home uh, from Hampton and I uh, asked my wife, do we want to stop for some drive through uh, get some chicken nuggets, we get that fo fo from Wendy's. <clears throat> she said, no! Last time we went to Wendy's, those chicken nuggets, they were something funky was in those nuggets. I'll never go there again. The fo-fo-fo is off the menu. And so, you know, because of an experience, uh, I got, a, I got a, little, a little piece of plastic or there was a hair or there, and because of those things that happen to us, we make decisions about our food because people want to stay away from stuff that's gross. Yes? And you have, some people here have probably, uh, there's restaurants that you will never go to again because you had a bad experience with the food. I'll never forget one time we went to a uh, we went to a um, uh, a buffet a Chinese buffet, and you know how they have those giant five gallon buckets of egg drop soup, and my wife walks up to get a to get some food, and, and there she watched a little fly bzzz, bzzz, land right in the soup. And she's trying to get the attention of the workers there. Uh, there's a fly. It's drowning. It's dying. It's, uh, it gets swallowed. And so the, the worker at the buffet takes the ladle and scoops out the fly, turns around, dumps it out. There you go. <laughs> and that, that's good enough. And so we didn't go back to that buffet because of that experience. Now, we are funny about our food sometimes because we get... Freaked out, we get scared, we get grossed out by certain things. And as I'm thinking about that, isn't it interesting how we will obsess over the purity of things we put into our mouth? And yet, at the same time, those same people, it is possible to allow all manner of filth and perversion and wickedness into other parts of our lives, our eyes, our ears. And without even second thought, without even thinking that, is this going to have a bad effect on me? And so as we consider that thought this morning, we are coming to a time of year where strange things start happening all around us. Where all of a sudden I'm driving down through my neighborhood and I see a giant werewolf staring at me. Or my neighbors have a graveyard popping up. And skeletons reaching out of the ground, and uh, we were driving through another neighborhood, and there was a the, somebody had decorated their yard with a white sheet that had been covered in blood-stained messages, and um, and we're just supposed to think that that's normal, it's just a happy-go-lucky time. So Halloween is back, according to the National Retail Federation, participation in Halloween-related activities is expected to reach a record $10.6 billion this year, exceeding last year's records of $10.1 billion. The, The way that consumers plan to celebrate include handing out candy, 67%, decorating their home or yard, 51%, dressing up in a costume, 47%, carving a pumpkin, 44%, or throwing or attending a Halloween party, 28%. On average, consumers are planning this year to spend about $100 each on candy, decor, cards, and costumes. Very quickly, Halloween has become the second most celebrated holiday in the United States. Now, that's fine if we're talking about the world. I am not talking to the world this morning. I'm talking to God's people. And where are we supposed to be? Is this celebration of Halloween, is it simply an innocent observance of community-based gift-giving? Is it simply an expensive dress-up party? Or is it something else that we should second-guess the way we second-guess funky chicken nuggets? So what we're going to find in our scripture is some instructions regarding proper behavior in the world. This is not just an anti-Halloween sermon. This is a how does a Christian, how are we supposed to live in this world? So I want you to pay attention with me. 1 John uh, chapter 1 verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and we declare to you that God is light. Say the word light. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and we walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, and we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus, and I thank you for your grace and your mercy, God, your kindness that you have so generously poured out upon us. Lord, that you have given us a path of righteousness that we can walk on. I pray that your people this morning would see that path clearly and other paths with, which lead away from it. And I'm praying, God, that you would give us a sensitive heart, God, an obedient heart to serve you and to do what is right in your eyes. And we give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. The motivation for this sermon, why, why would a preacher want to preach? about uh, the truths of what's happening in the world around us. Well, the goal of any preacher should be the same as the goal of God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. What is the goal? That your joy might be full. This is the the motivation that John in this scripture had. If you go back a few verses to verse 4, it says, These things we write to you that your joy might be full. We want you to have a great life. We want you to experience God's presence in your life, in your home, in your family, in your mind, in your heart. Jesus says, I have come to give life and life more abundantly. Isn't that true? But that abundant life is not without cost or consequence or decisions that must be made. It's not without examining our hearts and our activities and the things that we allow ourselves to do. So John is telling us a few things here that are very important if we are to have that life of joy, a full life of joy. And so this is, as I was reading this, I was inspired because, again, in verse 6, it said, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness and we do not practice the truth, we are liars. And I thought that there are so many of God's people who are professing, yes, I have fellowship with the Father. Oh, I have fellowship with the Son. I have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In fact, here I am sitting in church on Sunday morning. Look at the fellowship that I have with God. And yet, how many of them, how many of us will leave from a church service and not practice the very truth that we profess to practice this is the definition of hypocrisy and if there was one thing that i think pulls more people away from the church than anything else this is it it's hypocrisy it's kids who grow up in so-called christian homes where they are hearing something being preached from the pulpit but they are not seeing those things in action when they get home when they look at their parents, when they look at people who claim to be Christians, and those same people who are uh, participating in the things of the world. Those same people who, get, uh, who are getting drunk at the same numbers as people in the world, getting high, uh, divorce, and adultery at the same levels as people of the world. This is not right. And yet, we're supposed to be holding ourselves to a higher standard. And so this is what John is trying to remind us. If we say... That we have fellowship with God. What does that mean? It means me and God are tight. Me and the Lord, me and the Holy Spirit, we get along. I want to tell you what our scripture is telling us is that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. So something does not add up here. If it is true that you have fellowship with the Father then what that means is that God has to do some work on us before that can even happen. Is that right? You cannot claim to be in fellowship with God if you are still walking purposefully in darkness. Okay, so Pastor, are you trying to tell us that we're supposed to be perfect people, that we're supposed to have our shoes shined and we're not supposed to have one blemish, that not even one pimple on our face, that everything is supposed to be perfect and squared away? That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying this morning is that your desire, your heartbeat, your goal, your purpose in life should be to serve and worship God and to be obedient to him when he speaks to you. Now, you might not be finished yet. I'm not finished yet. God's still working on all of us. But when we participate in willing, known sin, when we do things that we know will upset our Father and cause him uh, cause the Holy Spirit to be grieved, this does not add up. We cannot claim, church, to have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness. It causes us to, To participate in lies. It's interesting, the the words that are used here in this verse, it says that we do not practice the truth. Practice. Say the word practice. Truth is something that must be practiced. Truth is not just some idea floating around in the air. Truth is a lifestyle. And Jesus said, the truth will make you what? What? free. Well, somebody said, yes, the truth will make you free, but first it'll make you miserable because sometimes the truth is hard for us to hear and process because the truth is that we've been lying to ourselves. Okay. Praise the Lord, pastor. This is a good sermon to hear. Amen. Remember the motivation. Why am I preaching this? For the same purpose that John wrote this letter. I want your joy to be full. I want you to have a wonderful and a joyful and a purposeful life. So let's look at this weird thing that's going on around us today. And something that is, look, if it was something that was just static and staying the same and not changing, I would leave it alone. But that is not what's happening in our world today. The practice of Halloween and the the celebration of it, even in the church, is something that is growing and expanding right before our eyes. My wife and I were talking yesterday, and you know she she grew up going to our mother church in Chandler, Arizona. She was uh, she was one year old when her dad got radically saved in 1981. She was one year old when her dad was converted miraculously, became a born again believer. So she grew up going to this radical church in Chandler, Arizona, where revival was happening. And she was reminding me that when she was a kid, man, the, the sermons you would hear about Halloween, it was like, if you even have a pumpkin at your house, you're going to hell. And so, you know, today with the things that we allow, the things that we participate in to her is just mind boggling. Now, I'm not going to say this morning that if you have a pumpkin on your front porch, that God is going to kill you or something. But what, I, what we want to do this morning, again, we want to honor God with our lives. We want to please him. Now, let's look at just a, for a few moments here at what we are talking about when we're talking about Halloween. So, Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 14, I want to just read this little lengthy passage if you'll give me a moment. Once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is goodness, righteousness, and truth, and finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship. Everybody say no fellowship. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep. Rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Now, I have observed that there are two kinds of people in the world. There are those who who like the lights on. And there are those who say, turn off the lights. I don't want to see. I want to be in darkness. Dark is my best friend. And I believe, spiritually speaking, I know some people are sensitive to light. I can be like that sometimes. But I'm talking about spiritually speaking. We should have a desire, Lord, I want to see and understand things clearly. Clarity is your best friend in the kingdom of God to understand things inside and out so that I can see it, I can examine it. Now, obviously, the demonic world wants the opposite, wants to cover conceal. The demonic world, the powers of hell, they want to deceive and lie. Satan is a master of lies. When he speaks, lies are his native tongue. And so he is always trying to uh, to cover things up and to hide things. He is a master of manipulation in the darkness. In the darkness is where he has authority. And so uh, the wonderful thing about that is that as soon as you flip the light on, he has no more authority. He is exposed. And when you know the truth, that's why Jesus says the truth will set you free. Now, why is Halloween, this celebration that many people have, uh, have uh, explained away as something innocent and uh, unharmful, why is it something that we should be aware of and that we should understand? Well, number one. Halloween is thoroughly rooted in paganism and the occult. And so it goes back. uh, I don't want to spend too much time explaining the history, but you can do your own research. Uh, The name Halloween is very interesting when you study it. It comes from a a Roman Catholic holiday because November 1st was known as All Hallows Day Day. That means it's the day where they observe and remember all of the saints who've gone before. That's not a bad thing. You remember the lessons of people's lives. And so the day before that is called All Hallows Eve. So it's also a, a night before the All Hallows Day. And so it just so happens to coincide on October 31st. It was a day of uh, celebration in the Roman Catholic world. But it just so happens to line up with some, also some pagan occultic holidays as well and Sam Hain is a is a false God uh, in fact the history of this holiday goes back to the Druids a religion that was so evil that even Rome forbid its practice uh, the origin of Halloween's uh, customs come before Christianity Come before Christianity. The Druids, members of pagan orders in Britain, Ireland, and Gaul, held a celebration on October 31st, the eve of the festival of Samhain. It was was a night where ghosts and fairies and bonfires were built. Bonfires, by the way, you know where that word comes from? Bonefires. Where they were literally performing human sacrifices and burning them uh, together. Superstitions linking cats with reincarnation. It's funny that uh, the, the local SPCA locations, they will, not, uh, they will not allow anyone to adopt a black cat for about a week before Halloween. Why is that? Well, because of occultic practices, people will sacrifice black cats in their backyards. Uh, The Druids, the pagan uh, customs of the festival of Samhain, who's known as the Lord of the Dead, they would symbolize uh, their worship toward him with death symbols, coffins, tombstones, skeletons, skulls and crossbones, ghosts, mummies, graveyards. Uh, Sound familiar to you? These all come; these are all common ways to uh, to celebrate Halloween today. And so often, uh, people just go to Walmart and buy this stuff without knowing the pagan origins. Christians, people who love God and worship Him, uh, who are decorating their yard with the same symbols that the Druids used before Jesus was even born on the earth, is that an accident? Do you suppose, or is it a strategy? For the enemy to find a foothold in God's people. It was believed that the dead would rise out of their graves and wander the countryside, trying to return to the homes where they formerly lived. There was a uh, there was a Druid um, tale, a folk tale that came about uh, and has filtered down through the centuries and uh, was practiced by the Irish and the British in that area of the world. And so the the folktale is told of a guy named Jack. And Jack was living a life of debauchery and getting drunk and doing a bunch of stupid things. And as he's walking home uh, from the bar, he sees Satan. And Satan uh, wants to judge him, so he climbs up a tree. And thinking quickly, Jack makes the mark of the cross on the trunk. And so that means that Satan is stuck in the tree now. And so uh, this folktale goes that, uh, now, Jack doesn't want to live for God, so he lives a life of sin and then he dies. But being a sinner, God doesn't allow him into heaven. And so Satan, still stuck in the tree, is angry, and starts throwing coals of judgment against Jack. And not being able to enter heaven nor hell, Jack takes one of these live coals and he puts it into a turnip that he just happens to be carrying. And that is the origin story for the first jack-o'-lantern of a wandering soul who is ne- neither able to enter heaven nor hell. And this is what's sitting on, front, on the front porches of God's people. Halloween glorifies Satan, darkness, it is uh, if you are in a public school, uh you know we're, we're not allowed to say Jesus at Christmas time. we're supposed to say winter holiday, right and if it's thanksgiving it's uh it's November holiday, and who are we thankful to? Don't mention that we're, we're thankful we're just thankful okay thank thank gratitude, great, but the reason we have Thanksgiving is because we're grateful to somebody, but when it comes to Halloween, it goes all out doesn't it every Every classroom decorated with orange and black and cats and bats and spiders and uh, uh, rest in peace. And uh, how is it? Newscasters in many cities warn their viewers to guard their animals on Halloween night. Why is that? It is not uncommon for dogs, cats, and other animals to be stolen and mutilated in rural communities where there are farmers they have to bring their animals into the barn because it is not uncommon for them to go out into the fields and find a mutilated cow, calf, or chicken, even horses, ritualistically slaughtered in satanic sacrifice. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you what happened. What, what is this thing? 700 Club interviewed several people a few Halloweens ago who actually participated in or witnessed human sacrifices involving satanism. No one is scoffing at these stories anymore as police departments around the country have to develop a whole new field of investigation dealing with the gruesome reality. And so here we have Christians who are saying, Oh, no big deal. It's not serious. Pastor, don't talk about it. Just leave it alone. And at the same time, Satanists, witches, occultists, and the police are saying, This is serious. Don't spoil our fun. We want more chocolate. Okay, so let me wrap this up. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22, that we need to abstain from the very appearance of evil. Shall I repeat that one more time? That we should abstain, we should stay away from even the appearance of evil. So who can deny that virtually any symbol of Halloween or any uh, any way that people practice this is by nature very evil. Witches, monsters, vampires. A- and is it interesting how much this, the, the, uh, the perversion and the sexual aspect comes into that? These parties, and uh, I'm amazed at how parents will dress up their little girls like prostitutes, revealing skin. Oh, it's all in good fun. Oh, they're just a a naked witch. (laughs) Great. Wonderful. That sounds like a happy Halloween. All of this is the appearance of evil. We are called to be, Ephesians 5 verse 1, followers of God, lights in a sinful world. So how can we shine the light of God's hope and his purpose and his good news if we are allowing the darkness to cover us up? All right. Is it disobedience to God? This is the question that's really interesting. Well, let me just read through a few scriptures here, and then we'll close it out. Deuteronomy 18, verse 9. When you come into the land which your Lord God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, who practices witchcraft, a a soothsayer or one who interprets omens, a sorcerer, that's another word for a witch, by the way, one who conjures spells, a medium, a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all these things are an abomination to the Lord. So is the word of God serious when it says those things? Exodus 7, verse 11. Pharaoh called the wise men and their sorcerers, And they did this manner with their enchantments. Uh, Every man threw down the rod, they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. So is this a a real thing? Yes, it's a real thing that the magicians of Pharaoh were able to produce some sorcery. Like that was some real stuff going on there. But the the rod of Aaron swallowed that up. God says, we're not going to let that happen. Exodus 22, 18, you shall not permit a sorceress to live. She's a witch. <laughs> now, I'm not uh, advocating uh, burning at the stake, but I am saying, you know, when you read the Bible, you find scriptures like this. Is God serious about that or is he playing around? First Chronicles 10, 13. So Saul died for his unfaithfulness which he had committed against the Lord because he consulted a medium for guidance. You remember this story? The witch at Endor. God killed King Saul because of that. Say, I don't want you involved in this. 2 Kings 21, he built altars for the host of heaven and he made his sons pass through the fire, practiced soothsaying, using witchcraft, consulting spiritists and mediums. This is much evil in the sight of the Lord and provoked him to anger. Remember what we started with. We are supposed to be asking God, Lord, how can I please you? How can I use this life to make you happier? God says this kind of stuff, it angers him. Jeremiah 27, 9, do not listen to prophets, diviners, dreamers, soothsayers, or sorcerers who speak to you saying, you shall not serve the king. For they, shall, they prophesy a lie. They remove you far from your land. So I'm out walking my dog the other day. And the neighbors had just finished erecting their Halloween display. And I'm walking out there with my dog, my two daughters. And I walk by. There's right there on the porch. And there's a table. And there's a statue of a witch. And there she is with a crystal ball. She's going, ah, ha, 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 Oh, let me tell you your fortune. All guns goofy, stupid stuff. Okay, so I'm standing there listening to this thing. It's, it's a toy. It's a pl- piece of plastic. But what does it represent, man? The same way that we would, that we would uh, put up a statue to honor someone that we care about or who did a great deed, and here in this neighbor's yard is a cackling witch who's trying to tell my fortune. <laughs> and God said, you know, in the Old Testament, they killed people for stuff like that. Acts 8, verse 9, there was a man named Simon who practiced sorcery in the city and astonished people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. You know what happened to Simon? He repented. He said, I'm not going to do that anymore. There was a slave girl, Acts 16, possessed with a spirit of divination. That means she was a witch. It was brought much profit by fortune telling. Same thing, Paul had to rebuke her. Acts 19, those who practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. Yesterday we went on a little outreach. We went over to the YMCA. Uh, My wife was not having it. (laughs) We walked right into that place all decked out with Halloween stuff. Got to that little table where there was a witch sitting there. And there was a little book of the damned sitting on the desk next to her. And there was a magic eight ball. And there was a fortune teller Ouija board. And my wife was like, oh, I got to get out of (laughs) here. Uh, but we, we dress it up like just, just passing the candy out to the kiddos. What's the big deal? And by the way, there's little demons running around with pitchforks. Is this okay? Revelation one eight: The cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, the sexually immor- immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. So, what's wrong with Halloween? There's quite a bit. I've got a, just a couple more scriptures. Stick with me. Jeremiah 10:2, learn not the way of the heathens, for the customs of those people are vain. Romans 13:12, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Ephesians 5:11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them. Okay, so I've been thorough, I hope, in giving a biblical representation of how does God think about these things. Ephesians 5.8, you were one time in darkness, but now you are of the light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. Now let's think about that last thought as we close. As I mentioned, there's a lot of darkness involved in this celebration that's happening around us. What is our job as the people of God? Our job is not just to point and stare with frightfully looks on our face. We are not just called to run and hide. So what is a Christian supposed to be doing for Halloween? Jesus said as he prayed for his disciples, we are supposed to be the light of the world. We are supposed to be the ones standing up for truth. He says, as he prays for his disciples at the Last Supper, John 17, Lord, I have given them your word. The world has hated them because they are not of the world. So I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but I pray you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, so sanctify them by your truth, just as you sent me into the world I have also sent them into the world. Pastor, are we supposed to run and hide on Halloween? Are we supposed to shut the door, turn off the light, and put on a Kirk Cameron movie? Are we supposed to fast and pray and stay away from Kit Kats and Snickers bars? <laughs> I think that we can do far better. In fact, my favorite thing to do as a believer And I believe one of the favorite things that God loves to do is to take the strategies of hell and turn them back and make them redeem them for the kingdom of God. This is what God loves to do. This is what God did for us, right? Our lives were on the path that lead to destruction, and Satan was very happy about that. And God came in and took that plan, turned it around, and gave us a new start on life. And now we can live for him and destroy the works of darkness. In the same way, this Halloween celebration brings great glory and honor to darkness, covers and and, uh, and uh, begins to deceive so many people, and innocently leading people to evil things. I think we can use it. For the greater good, so Ray Comfort and the Living Waters guys, this ministry that helps the church, they have renamed the the uh, holiday of Halloween. They call it National Evangelism Day. And I want to challenge you this morning: if we are serious about pleasing God with our lives, if we are serious about the Scripture, which says that we should walk in the light and have fellowship with he he who is in the light, maybe what we could do is something that would bring glory to God. Instead of just being the people who run away from evil, we should be the people who confront. And we should be the people who stand up for righteousness. So what that means this morning is we have an action step for you before you leave. Uh, Our outreach team yesterday prepared some little gospel tracts that are Halloween themed. And we've got a bunch of them on the table back there. And uh, they've all got a little, a little card, a little mess. And so um, what we want to challenge you to do is take a little stack of these and instead of closing your house completely for Halloween, running away, let's go out to eat. Let's do something that doesn't involve Halloween. I, I, I can respect that. Maybe you could use it as a springboard to get to know your neighbors. Maybe there's people on your street that God has been trying to speak to them. Maybe they've picked up a Bible for the first time in the last month. Could it be that there's someone who desperately needs an answer for a problem in their life, a marriage problem, a money problem, and and God wants to reach out to them, and maybe instead of just passing out a Snickers bar, you could could put this into their hands, and you never know what a seed will produce. I know there are some kids who will just crumple that up and throw it away. I need more candy. That's probably going to happen to some people. But on the chance that somebody would pick pick up a gospel track like this, it says, Happy Halloween. Halloween is a fun time. We get to eat candy, wear costumes, and pretend to be someone or something other than who we are. Have you ever thought about what God sees when he looks at you? Just a little message of hope. There's a little sticker on the back that says Potter's House. Come to our services and you never know what god could do with when you plant a seed maybe maybe they'll come to church maybe they won't come maybe 15 years from now when their lives are broken they'll remember man what was that thing that somebody some put something about jesus in my halloween candy you never know but the the thing is that church we've got to be the ones and if the church would treat this seriously could you imagine if the church all across america rose up and said, "We're going to make a stand. We're not going to call our neighbors sinner. We're not going to, you know, be street preachers on our front porch and bump a Bible and call. You know, we're not going to do that. We're going to, we're going to embrace our neighbors, talk to them, say hello, be friendly. Yeah, we'll give them the candy, but we're going to give them more than they bargained for too. Could you imagine if millions of Christians did this every Halloween? Could you imagine what would happen? Could revival break out because of Halloween?" Man, I would love, I would love what a great thing that would be if Easter was not the biggest Sunday of the, of the year, but the Sunday after Halloween. Can we get a vision for what God could do if we would simply obey the Scripture and say, Lord, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses our sins. So I want to challenge you to be be in the light. Don't let the darkness subdue your light in your community, in your home, in your neighborhood. Let's learn to bless the kingdom of God and to obey him. Let's bow our heads for just a few moments. I do thank you for your attention this morning and your patience. of Chandler Conference, so please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.